Jesus heals a blind beggar. You know that, don't know. I told you that just a moment ago. Not me forgetting it for any reason. I'm going to read the passage, right? It's um, Luke 18, uh, reading the verses 35 to 43. Pete's got them up there. Well done, Pete. I knew you knew, knew this chapter somehow. As he, Jesus, drew near Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in the front rebuked him telling him to be silent. Or as the other, in, in Mark, I think it says, they charged him not to say another word. You just be quiet. <clears throat> but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Oh, yes, amen. God's in the healing business. Um, I don't know if you, if you can think back over the past few weeks. There seems to be a pattern going on through this chapter. Um, if you can remember, Bob kicked off this passage talking about um, the need to pray and the widow who uh, went to the unjust judge who neither feared God or feared man and she kept bothering him until she got justice. Um, so there was some that she, ne she needed to get through to God. But in actual fact, there was a, a, a teaching in there which, uh, which in a sense, um, uh, was saying, um, we just need to realise something in here. We need to use our intuition and our intent like we use in our ordinary life to get through to God. We need to be just as much bothering him about what we need. He's, and and, and the, the writer was almost saying, well, you do it in things that you want in life, you keep on asking, you keep on doing, you bother people to get justice what you want. And he was saying, well, God's no different. We should be treating God as one we can reason with, challenge him on his word. And on his promises. And I was looking at a commentary uh, the other day, um, and I had to check it out. That the man who, who, who I read, read, he's telling me what the word bobbering means, um, and I had to check it out. And he said it's a boxing term. It's one where you go up to the other and give him a black eye. You know, you make your presence known. You don't let anything get in the way. You give him. 
I checked it out with my Greek interpretation testament. It says nothing like that. So that's only just a passing thought, all right? So um, a bit of my imagination, a bit of your imagination. But I think there's a point there. We're afraid of God sometimes. Why is that? We, we, we think he's so far away from us, and yet he's right near with us. <clears throat> and he wants us to be real with him when we're about issues that matter. The story is really saying, God, he can do more than just giving you justice. He can do the whole thing. But it's us showing how much we're intent about getting what we need for ourselves and for others in terms of the gospel and in terms of justice. Would we be as intentional and persistent in prayer as any of us would be in fighting for our own justice in life? Then we went to the other story. Attitudes in our own hearts can be a bit of a nuisance and a hindrance and effectively preventing getting answers. We had the story about the, the, the scribe and the tax collector. And the other one man is just quite interested because the text is lovely. He said he prayed with himself. And I thought, well, that's, that's the, you don't need to say anything more. And yet the other man, he prayed. He said, have mercy on me, Lord. And what the writer was saying, he's the one that got through to God. Attitudes in our own hearts can be a bit of a nuisance and a hindrance and effectively preventing our getting answers. Other people, even disciples, stop up the way for others to freely come to Jesus, thus to God. We had the incident about um, parents bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples got in the way. They had a job to get through to God and the disciples were sort of interrupting the flow, as it were. And that can happen amongst from people families and from other Christians around us you know they sometimes can prevent us from getting where we need to get through to God sadly but that's the case in our story today there's a man trying to get through to God who got in the way the crowds you see there's a bit of a theme running through this passage the rich young ruler found that of his own choice his own wealth and possessions here on earth prevented him from getting the best life ever. It's the same today. Some people think Christmas is the best life ever. But it only goes on for a few days. But for the person who Christmas is all about, he can give us the best life ever. And sometimes our wealth and possessions, and it doesn't have to be wealth and possessions, there can be other sorts of things that we focus on that we won't let go that keep us from getting through to God. And, the, and so from that rich young ruler, that of his own choice, his own wealth and possessions here on earth prevented him from getting the best life ever. Today, though, the blind man demonstrated faith that got through to God. Jesus said it simply, your faith has healed you. So what was that? What was that faith? The crowd which charged him to be quiet, they rebuked him. <coughs> Excuse me. They, he shouted all the more. 
I suppose what I want to go to today and end up ultimately is we need to be a people who are shouting louder to God. And how are we going to do that? You know, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that was right. He was calling on a, on a God who was able and willing to show mercy to him. A God who was able to give him things that he didn't deserve necessarily, but God was willing out of his heart to give this man and show him how wonderful he was. And that was the point of his cry, Jesus have mercy on me. But we know that the crowd got in the way. And what did he do? He shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the translation here in the Bible is a bit kind because it said he screamed at him. Why don't you stop me? Why don't you stop? I want you to come here to me. I, I want you to have mercy on me. It was that sort of nuance behind it. And in a sense, he was doing what Jesus said in the first story in this passable. He was bothering Jesus. You didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to do it again. And I know it's easy. We're going through tough times globally, nationally. We're all going through tough times. And it's hard getting through to God. Jesus has made the way quite simple, actually because he's made a way. Let's just sing a, a chorus as a child. He's made a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin, and we've sung about the cross this morning when we come as sinners to Jesus. And that's the first thing we have to remember. Jesus has opened up a way which is so clear and easy for us to get to God. Let's remember that. But there are other things that get in the way sometimes. And so in a sense, I would just want to bring out, try and bring out a little bit of getting through to God. Yeah, we've entered the Christmas. Last Sunday was in the church calendar, if you like. It's sort of Advent Sunday. That was the beginning of the Christmas season. And, and that's worked out by putting four Sundays before Christmas, celebrating love, joy, Peace and, um, I can't put the other one for a minute, but there's another one, you know what that is. Celebrating these four aspects of life, which people are looking for, but can't find. I think Christmas is a time to try and recapture something of the goodness of God, and yet it seems to be fleeting away. There seems to be a blindness at Christmas time, everybody sings the songs, but not everybody's understanding the truth and reaching out. There's something in the way. And in this story today, uh, we've been introduced to a man who's blind, and he's physically blind. We are reminded quite a lot on television uh, today, uh, each week, about kids in Africa who are blind. They're blind. It's all around us, isn't it? It was rampant here in those days. About 50 or 60% of the population at that time had an eye problem, one way or another. 
And this man was blind. So it was a problem then. So Christmas, Christmas also become a crowd thing, hasn't it? There was a crowd, and the crowd got in the way. I think the point is, as Christians, as believers, they must make sure that Christmas doesn't get in the way of the truth. We must celebrate who Jesus is, what he came for, and what he's here to do today. Of the estimated 8 billion global population, around 5 billion people watched or tuned into Queen Elizabeth's funeral. About 5 billion are connecting in some way into World Cup final this week. About 5 billion people are connecting into Christmas celebration one way or another people who don't believe in Christmas, but they have a good party, have a good time, and celebrate it some way or another without reason to do so. There's a crowd. There's about 2.3 billion people, it is estimated, who celebrate Christmas as an act of faith and truth. Just under half that amount. Our story begins with a crowd. Jesus was going through Jericho onto Jerusalem. And just to say here, Jesus is on a journey here and he's going to the place where he's going to be crucified. He's going to be spit upon. He's going to be rejected by the people around him. And nothing's going to stop him from that journey in going there. We know that because it's happened. Jesus came and he gave his life for us. He never stopped on that journey. And if something stops him here, in the story we read that Jesus stopped. Somewhere in the heart of a crowd, there's a heart that's crying for something. Somewhere in the heart of a crowd, there's someone crying for something. That was happening in our story this morning. One man in the crowd wanted his sight back. He wanted mercy from God. He wanted to be noticed as the crowd went by. You can say that's an impossible situation. But it wasn't impossible. We read the rich unruler when he turned away from Jesus... The disciples said, who, who then can be saved? And it went on to say, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And this blind man made it possible because he shouted a bit louder. He shouted a bit louder. So somewhere in the heart of a crowd, there's a heart that's crying for something. Look around the room this morning. Not a crowd, but it's a lot of people. And somewhere in this room this morning, there's a heart that's crying for something. What are you crying for? What's your heart's cry for? 
member of family, your own healing, to actually know that you're hearing from God. Does it seem that God has gone silent on something and you just feel you're, you're not getting through to God? You're not unnoticed by God. He heard the first cry of this man, but it was on the second time he came back because he shouted a bit louder. And I think there's a message for us as a church, and I'll come to that in a minute. He needs to shout. We need to shout a bit louder. And I think what I'm saying by that is how really concerned are we about people around us, for our family, for ourselves even sometimes. We just tend to accept so much today, don't we? We accept, you know, oh, well, it's only this and it's only that. But anything that comes against us physically, spiritually, mentally is a fingerprint of the devil, and Jesus said that. God gave us the opportunity is giving us the opportunity to shout a bit louder. He wants to hear our voice. He wants to know that we're really concerned for ourselves, our need before God, and also our family's need before God, and also the need around us, and the need within our church. We can always shout a bit louder. Somewhere in the heart of a crowd there is a heart that's crying for something. You can be in a, in a party and feel the loneliest place on earth. You can be in a ceremony or a concert or a theatre production and you can feel the loneliest place on earth, the loneliest person on earth. Maybe this guy, this blind man felt unnoticed and in need. I'm sure he did. It's in Jericho. There was a crowd, and it's in Jericho, but we've got history repeating itself here. Just as there was a man who was healed because of his faith, so a lady was recorded in Hebrews as being a hero of faith, Rahab. She was from Jericho. This man got through to God because of a shout. The people of Israel got through the walls of Jericho because of a shout. It was a place of victory. And so today, Jericho, in this story, became a place of victory for this man because he shouted a bit louder. He got through to God. And just as God demonstrated his help and blessing to people who had faith in Jericho many, many years ago, God was still the same in Jericho many, many years later. And just as God was the same in Jericho then, in year two, three, nought, or whatever it was then, he's the same God today. The same God who's bringing place. And we want to see not in Jericho, but in Beacon. Not in, only in Beacon, but in Herm Bay. And wherever we go, we just want to see these places of victory which God is going to bring about.
In the story we read too, there was not only the crowd, there was Jericho, but there was that point when Jesus was walking along the road and when this guy had shouted the second time, loudly screaming, why don't you stop? Why don't you take notice of my shouting? I'm calling to you. I need you. It says that Jesus stopped. That is so amazing. The God of the universe, the God of the whole earth, on his journey, stopped. You say, well, what's behind that? Well, going back to Joshua again and and Jericho, he was fighting a a a band of people, the Amorites. The battle was long and hard, and needing extra time and enough light to finish the job, he prayed that the sun stood still. And the sun stood still. It not only registered on earth, but it was registering in heaven. When Jesus stood still, it wasn't just a physical act. He was making a point. He was saying, this is the kingdom of God at work. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The sun stood still then. But then you know that when the storm was raging on the sea and Jesus was in the boat... He commanded the winds and the waves to be still. And the story tells us they were still. They stopped because he was the Lord of heaven and earth. And because he had, as he said at the end of Matthew, all authority on heaven and earth belongs to me. Jesus is the one that is recognized here. And even this man calling out Jesus, son of David, was recognized that God's work on earth has not finished. He had a king that was coming, and this king was going to rule forever. He wouldn't have used those words otherwise. But it's when we recognize Jesus is, and we shout a bit louder to him that we can get through to God. Be still. That was a creative opportunity in history a creative opportunity in history one man was brought in for the presence of God the power of God the majesty of God in Jesus do you want to connect with God today like that do you want to know the God of the universe do you want to know the God of power the Lord of life the Lord God of forgiveness as we prayed this morning the one who can release to us Release to us the power of his Holy Spirit to manifest his works in the earth. He called. He shouted a little bit louder. In this Advent, we're living with the promise of his return. When Jesus came as a baby the first time, we called that an Advent because he was not only being born as a child, He was ushering in God's purposes for a new season to bring hope to the people of the earth. His name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. How amazing is that? He came with love and understanding. He came to give, to give his life. 
But going through Jericho was a sort of a mini-advent, wasn't it? They weren't expecting him, but he came. He came, but he came with light and life and joy for this man. A joy in which he ended up glorifying and praising God, but in actual fact it was infectious. It drew the others in to praise God too for what was done that day. And so... The first part of the application of this story this morning, that there's another advent which is coming and we need to be prepared for it. In Revelation 1 verse 7, it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. That's going to be a different advent. That's going to be a different coming. And it's one we need to be ready for. We need to be ready for Jesus before he returns. He was talking about five billion people watching the football match and this five billion people celebrating Christmas. But here it says, every eye. Every, how many billions will that be? Because it goes back a bit. It says, and those who pierced him. So it's going to be everybody who's ever lived on the earth is going to see Jesus one way or another. I don't know how that's going to be. But it says here in the passage, every eye is going to see him. How amazing is that? But how awesome is it too? How awesome to be ready for the one. And to know the one now that's wanting to reach out to us and draw us in to his, his purposes. Blindness. The second thing about the application is the spiritual blindness. This man was physically blind, but in actual fact, the story is about someone who's physically blind and spiritually blind too, in some ways. Although he didn't seem to be blind, because when Jesus said, your faith has made you well, the word well is the word sozo. Now, lots of you know the people... But sozo means wholeness or healing bodily and spiritually. So Jesus said, he said, your faith has made you well. And I just want to encourage us this morning that if we're praying for healing, to shout a bit louder. Don't give up. Pray, shout a bit louder. If we're praying for people to be saved and be born again of God's Holy Spirit, shout a bit louder. We need that encouragement. How can we shout a bit louder? And I'm going to throw down a couple of things before we, before we finish. If you're a husband and wife here and you're not praying together, start praying together you'll be shouting a bit louder. If you're someone who hasn't actually thought about having a time of prayer and meditation and personal time with God, start doing it. You'll be shouting a bit louder. If there's time you're spending watching television when actually you could be praying, shout a bit louder. If you feel challenged about fasting 
when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they, they asked why the demons wouldn't come out when they prayed for people, he said, well, these things only come out by prayer and fasting. So if we want to see more power, maybe a bit of fasting, that's shouting a bit louder. That's another way we can shout a bit louder. And there are other ways too. Ways that can challenge us personally, if it's possible to take another step forward in prayer, then let's do it. Let's shout a bit louder. It was Bob who started off this passage and he gave us some practical examples of how we could learn and understand how to pray. And that you can still get that talk on the online, which is saved. So living with the Advent, realizing that there's more to physical blindness, there is spiritual blindness. And Jesus said that spiritual blindness is a fingerprint of the devil. The Apostle Paul, the one who wrote some New Testament letters, he said blindness is the work of the enemy. Spiritual blindness. So if we're going to pray a bit louder, and we're praying for people who we feel that they're spiritually blind and need to understand, perhaps we could pray a bit louder. We could shout a bit louder. But just a little bit of advice here, things that I've been trying to work through we're just asking God to save people, but he's already done that. God, through Jesus, has done everything he can to save people. There's nothing more he can do. And we're wanting God to do it all. But if we're going to shout a bit louder, let's recognize what's keeping those people from God. Is it just their pride? then pray against pride, shout a bit louder, and pull it down in Jesus' name. If it's, you feel it's rebellion, then pray against rebellion. If it's against apathy, then pray against apathy. We have authority with God to pray for those things which are keeping people from God. Spiritual blindness. God's given us authority. Let's pray for it in Jesus' name. Several references are made in the, throughout the New Testament about the disciples not understanding and being afraid to ask Jesus. Of the nation of Israel, Jesus said, your leaders, blind leaders of the blind. You're, you, you, know, you don't know yourselves and you're trying to lead people down a wrong path. Paul, writing in Romans, says blindness in part has happened to Israel. In other words, the nation who God gave all the opportunities to understand him didn't take him up on it. And God has given us every provision that we might know him. Know him through Jesus. Shout a bit louder. When people get impacted by Jesus, they leave things behind. The rich young ruler wasn't willing to leave what he had behind. And there's an interesting note in the Mark account of this. The man took off his clothes, his cloak, and threw it aside. He, now this is imagination. It doesn't tell us he went back to pick his cloak up. 
but then neither did the woman at the well go to pick her water butt up. She left it behind. Jesus becomes a far greater part of our lives than things we have sometimes, the things that we're working at to try and work out. And like he left his cloak behind. Jesus' chosen men left family and businesses. This man left his cloak behind as the woman left her water pot behind in Samaria. She had more excitement come into her life when she found Jesus. She found the living water. Yes, she got thirsty physically, but spiritually she found the answer to her need. And we have that need this morning. And we have all the opportunity in the world to shout a bit louder. Billy Graham told, I'll finish with this, Billy Graham told the story about the woman and her parrot. The woman had a parrot and um, she used to, every night before she went to bed, she used to cover the cage up with a cloth and say, good night, Polly. In the morning, she used to get up, take the cloth up, say, good morning, Polly. And over a period of time, she did this for years, I think, or for a long, long time. And one morning she came down and she, put, she pulled the blind up from the, the cover over the cage of the parrot and said, good morning, Polly. And the parrot said, good night. She said, good morning, Polly. And the parrot said, good night. She tried this a few times and she couldn't understand why. And after looking and investigating, she realised she realised that a cat somehow had got into the parrot and scratched his eyes. And the parrot couldn't see. Maybe God's saying to us, good morning, and we can only say, well, I only know night. Blindness is a spiritual thing, and it's a fingerprint of the devil. Let's pray. Let's shout a bit louder that God's Holy Spirit will come in and bless us. And as we continue now in worship and, and in communion, let's, let's remind ourselves that God wants to heal this morning physically and he wants to heal spiritually. And as I was thinking about this, this healing was about the man's senses, his, his eyes, there are problems with ears, people can't hear, and the people who can't speak. And I feel maybe someone has got a problem with their taste this morning, which seems to have gone from you, and God wants to touch that. If that's you, you can just draw alongside someone and say, would you pray for me to be healed, so that my taste might be restored. Let's pray for people's senses if we have the opportunity to pray for each other. Blindness, hearing, taste, smell, or whatever. Let's pray that God would move in by the power of his spirit. That's what the story's saying. God heals physically and spiritually, as he did in Jericho, as he will do in Beacon today, in Jesus' name. Thank you.